Uh, this morning, I'm so happy to be part of this ministry, Good News Bible Church. As you almost all know, I'm from West Africa, that's Liberia, <laughs> and I attend Moody Bible Institute, and I have been coming to this church for the past two years. I'd extend my thanks and gratitude to the leadership of the church for allowing me to speak to you the second time. Will you bow your head with me in prayer? Father in heaven, we come to you this morning. We appreciate all you had done in our lives. As we gather, Lord, to talk about prayer, we pray, Lord, that you make us to understand why we have to pray and how to pray. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you this day. We ask for your wisdom, your understanding, that as we bring forth your word, it will not be our word, but your word, that your will will be done. The Lord living your life will be profitable as we seek to do what you have us to do. And so we thank you for all your goodness to us this day in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe... So many people here love cooking. And we cook and eat while we cook. When we are cooking our food, we add so many things to make the food to taste very good. We call those things ingredients. It is the ingredients we put in the food that make the food to taste good. In the church, there is an ingredient. For us to have a church that is healthy, we need to have a very important ingredient, and that ingredient is prayer. And so this morning we will speak to you using the theme, the ingredient to a healthy church. The book of Acts, as you all know, was established at the day of Pentecost, and after the establishment of the church, there have been so many crises and prosecutions against the church of God. The first conflict came after Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. There they met a man seated at a gate called Beautiful. The man asked them for money, and they told him, we don't have money, but we have Jesus. And so they told him to rise up and walk. And the man got up and walked. And because of this, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the spiritual leaders of the Jews got very angry with them. And they arrested Peter and John and put them in detention. They brought them out and questioned them and told them never again to preach in the name of Jesus. The second conflict came as a result of this first conflict. In chapter 5 of Acts, the apostles were arrested again, put in prison, and were told never again to preach in the name of Jesus. They refused. The third conflict is in chapter 7, when Stephen was stoned to death, that caused the believers to scatter from Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 12, we have another conflict. 
This is the conflict in which James was beheaded. Peter was arrested and put in detention, waiting to stand trial before Herod Agrippa I. What did the church do? We find that in all these conflicts, there are four things that stand out. The loyalty of the church still stands. The love of God's people for God still stands. The power of God still stands. And the church increase in number. As the church, the people of God spread throughout the region. How does this happen? In the midst of all these crises, what caused the church to still stand? To be still strong and powerful? What was causing the loyalty of these people to God when they were being prosecuted? The believers in the church at Jerusalem knows the answer. They went to God in prayer. The ingredient of a healthy church. You may ask me this morning, what do you mean by ingredient? The church needs salt? Does the church need uh, seasons? All kinds of things we put in the soup? The ingredient of a healthy church is the church being loyal to God. It's an important ingredient. The church being devoted to God is an ingredient for the church. The church that has love that binds the believers together is an ingredient for the church. The church that is winning souls, that cause increase in the kingdom of God is an ingredient to the church. In Acts chapter 12, we have the story of Herod which is Herod Agrippa I, who went and seized James, John's brother, and put him to death by the sword. And then he went out and also arrested Peter and put him in detention. Now, what brought this crisis? Most of the crisis in the book of Acts, the earlier part of Acts, have to do with religious leaders and the Christians, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the religious leaders of Israel. The Jews were against this new movement called Christianity. But we find in Acts for 12, it was not only the religious leaders of Israel this time, but the political leader that evolved, Herod the king, was involved in this crisis in Acts chapter 12. When you look in your Bible in Acts chapter 12, you will find that the first part of the verse is, now about that time, now about this time, Herod the king. If you read in chapter 11, the latter part of the chapter gives you what was going on in the church at Antioch. The church was growing. Many people coming to Christ. The church in Antioch was a powerful church, a Gentile church, growing so great and powerful that they were also extending their hands to the church in Jerusalem, which was the mother church. And as a result, they put resources together and they sent it to the church in Jerusalem through Barnabas and Saul, and they brought this relief to the church at Jerusalem. When the people that were struggling had just received these gifts from the church in Antioch, when everyone was happy, the famine, the hunger, 
This, the hard time was being taken care of. Herod stepped in to discourage the people of God. Does that sound familiar? When God's people are doing great things for God, when God is moving by His Spirit, when the church is prospering in the things of God, when the church is marching on to be sure to do what God wants them to do, Herod will step in. This is in order to discourage the people of God that they may leave what they are doing for God. Herod stepped in. And the scripture says, he had James, John's brother, put to death. Who is this James? Now, we have James, the sons of Asia. We have another James, who is Jesus' half-brother. Then we have James, the son of Zebedee. This is the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, that was arrested by Herod, and he was beheaded. Now, this James, as we all know, was the guy with his brother. They went to Jesus, and they said, look, Master, in your kingdom, we want to sit on your right, and my other brother sit on your left. And Jesus said, wow, you have made a great request. Do you know what it means to sit in my kingdom? Can you drink the cup that I would drink? Can you be baptized with the same baptism that I would be baptized? This is the genes. He is the brother of John. This is the genes that Jesus gave the nickname Sons of Thunder with his brother John. It could be that he was having a hot temper. So Jesus called him James, the son of thunder. This is the same James called James the Greater or James the Elder to distinguish him from the other James. This James was member of Jesus in a circle. Remember, during the transfiguration, James was with Jesus, with Peter and John. When Jesus was going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead, Jesus was also with Jesus in that room. In Gethsemane, when Jesus had gone with the disciples to pray, he left a group here. Then he went with the three, Peter, James, and John, further before he went a little further to pray. So James is an important figure among Jesus' disciples. This is the James that was arrested. Let's notice when he was arrested. The scripture says, it was during the feast of unleavened bread. When the religious people of Israel were to be worshipping God, when they were celebrating their deliverance from captivity in Egypt, it was the time that Herod stepped in to arrest the members of the church and had James killed. Then he went further and arrested Peter. You know, to cut someone's neck is something that is so cruel. Jean was beheaded. And to behead an individual in that society, in that culture, means the person is the murderer. Another fact is, the person may have fallen away from the faith. So the Jews believe that those that were non-Christians have fallen away from Judaism. They have fallen away from the faith. So Jesus must be, must be beheaded. So Herod beheaded James. 
The scripture says, when, verse 3 says, when he saw that it pleased the Jews, beheading genes, pleased the religious leaders of Israel. So Herod went to work to also seize Peter. Now Herod was doing all of these things to gain more political power, to gain favor of the Jews, to make more friends with the Jews, and so he wanted to please them. Now those were the days when the church or religion and government were working together. So Herod wanted to please the Jews, he killed James, he went to work and seized Peter. And put Peter in detention. Now our focus this morning is in verse 5. Let's look at verse 5 together. Peter was kept in prison. But, that's a real but. Prayer was being made fervently by the church to God for Peter. In the midst of all these circumstances and crises, what did the church do? When Herod had seized James and beheaded him, when Herod had gone to work and arrested Peter and put Peter in detention, what did the church do? We did not hear of any violent protest or demonstration in the Jerusalem church when James was killed and Peter was arrested. There was no boycott of any kind. There was no meeting arranged with Herod to strike a compromise. Herod, please, don't do this to the believers. We beg your pardon. There was nothing arranged. There was no meeting arranged with Herod to strike a deal with Herod. The church did not pick up their swords and their spears and their guns to go against the government. You remember, when Jesus was being arrested in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter was there. And we all know what Peter did when he saw the soldiers coming against their master. Peter picked up his sword and cut someone's ear. The church did not take off their sword and their spears. The church did not pick up any gun. There was no violence. What did the church do? The church protested to God. In situations like these, what do we do? Do we complain? Do we sit and gossip? What do we do? The church went to God. They protested to God. The church did not arrange a meeting with Herod, but they arranged a meeting with God. According to the verse prayer was being made by the church to God. Where did the church turn in times of need, in times of crisis? When things were going out of hand, when they don't know what to do next, when they have a forces to contend with that was greater than they are, where do they go? They went to God in prayer. In our situation, to whom do we turn? The church will learn to go to God. Now, why did the church go to God? The first thing is the church know their God. The church know who God is. The church know where to turn. They turn only to God because they know their God. Going to God when there is situation and crisis 
simply mean the church was totally dependent upon God. That is why the believers must know. Our dependence is on God. And therefore, when we have crisis, when we have situation that we cannot handle, we turn it over to God. So the church went to God as total dependence. The church also knows that it has access to God's throne room. You know, God is in heaven, and the believers are on earth, and the church knows so well that they have access to God through Jesus Christ. We are adopted sons and daughters. The church in Jerusalem know this. If we have problem, we should turn it over to our God because we have access to God. We can approach God at any time, in the morning, in the afternoon, even when you are sitting in the classroom doing your Greek exam. You can approach God. Believers, you and I have access to God. And that's why the church in Jerusalem knows that when there is crisis, when there is problem, when they don't know what else to do, they can turn and approach God at any time. The church knows they have access to God. The church has learned that Jesus told them, the gates of hell shall never prevail against the church. They have access to God. The church also know they were abiding in Christ. In John chapter 15 verse 7, Jesus said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, there is a promise at the end of that verse, then ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. The church know they, have, they are abiding in Christ. And that Christ's words abide in them. So they have all the need. So they turn their problem to God. Herod has earthly political authority. The church has supernatural power in Jesus Christ to God. So they went to God in prayer. The song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God. In prayer. Why do we do when we have problem? We must turn it over to God in prayer. Let's see the concern of the church. Everyone, the entire church in Jerusalem was concerned about this crisis in the church. They did not tell the elders, well, elders, you guys go and pray and pray for us. Everyone was concerned. The young, the old, the weak, the strong, the elders, the leaders, the laymen, everyone was praying for Peter. And let's see where they were praying. There was no cathedral built. There was no edifice. The believers met in a home. It does not matter where we pray. What matters is the heart in prayer. It's what God looked at. The believers were all concerned about Peter. That shows us unity in prayer. The unity in spirit. One accord. Single-mindedness. One purpose and one focus. The church in Jerusalem prayed to God because of the situation before them. We are still in verse 5. The second point in verse 5 is the church pray fervently. 
they just pray fervently. Verse 5 says, prayer was Peter was kept in prison, but prayer was made, was being made fervently by the church to God. When we pray, we must pray honestly. It should come from the battle of our heart. It's not lip service. It's not prayer that comes from the lips. Now, what is fervent prayer here? It is continuous prayer. It simply means prayer that is stretched out in two ways. The prayer that stretch you out, that force you to not go to the McDonald's, is a fervent prayer. It stretch you out. It is a prayer that stretch you out and you control your belly for 24 hours. It stretch you out. Fervent prayer stretch out the believers in the Jerusalem church. And fervent prayers you also stretch us out. It is also the prayer that is stretched out. It, it is continuous prayer. You pray today and we are tired sometimes. We pray for 30 minutes and that is enough. The believers pray fervently. It was a continuous prayer. It was a prevailing prayer. It was an honest prayer to pray. It was a prayer that came from the bottom of your heart. It was a prayer that was an urgent pleading to God. This was praying a prayer, but not saying a prayer. There are two things. Many times the church or the believers say prayer to God. But the Jerusalem church was praying to God. Saying a prayer to God is God, thank you for the uh, resigning. I love that, so I always, like, that's an American food, I just like, say, how to call it, lasagna or whatever. God, thank you for the lasagna, and then we eat. That is saying a prayer. But church, when we have situation, when we have crisis, when we don't know where to go, we don't say a prayer, but we pray a prayer. Elijah prayed a prayer. In three years, six months, God shut the reservoir in heaven. Elijah prayed a prayer and God opened the reservoir in heaven. That is praying a prayer. So the church prayed a prayer to God on behalf of Peter. Scripture gave us an example of fervent prayer. Jesus had gone to Gethsemane. And there the whole night he had been praying to God. He prayed to God. Father, let this cup pass by me. But not my will, but your will be done. And according to that passage of scripture in Luke 24, verse 41 to 44, when Jesus prayed fervently, the sweat that came from Jesus was like blood dropping on the ground. That is fervent prayer. God licks things to the church as we pray fervently to him. The believers were praying fervently. The 13th verse 5, the church prayed persistently. Can you imagine? Peter was arrested during the days of unleavened bread. That is the feast that lies for seven days. Now, scripture does not tell us when he was arrested, maybe on the first day of the feast, or the second or third day. We don't know. But when Herod arrested Peter, 
He put him in detention, waiting to bring him out after the feast of unleavened bread. That means Peter was kept in prison for some time, maybe three, four, five days. But those days that, the, that Peter was in prison, the church was not sleeping. They were persistently praying to God. God, we want the answer. The imprisonment lasted for several days. The prayer meeting lasted for several days. The church was severe. Now, I am not advocating for the length of prayer that brings results. I am advocating that we pray a persistent prayer to God. The church was praying persistently. We have a story in Luke chapter 18 about a widow and a judge. The widow wants to, went to the judge and asked the judge for help. And this judge, according to Jesus, does not fear God nor man. And so, he refused to listen to the widow's plead. When he gets in his car, the widow stands at the door of the car. When he goes in his chamber, the widow goes to the chamber. When he goes home to sit with his wife, the widow appears. Everywhere he went, this widow was there. My case. And so Jesus said, the judge said, this woman is wearing me out. Why not I give in to her plead? And so he answered the widow of situation. Likewise, we should be persistent in prayer. Sometimes we pray today and we think that is all. God wants to know how serious we are when we pray to him. The church in Jerusalem prayed persistently. The church also prayed to the point. They were not going on the rabbit trail. They were praying to the point. They were praying for Peter's release. The church was praying for Peter. They were not praying for Peter's boldness. You know, we know Peter's story. Jesus is arrested. And the disciples scatter. But Peter was still around there. And he was creeping in the corner for fear of the Jews. Then there was a little girl who saw Peter. And said, oh, I know this old man. This man had been with Jesus all the time. Don't tell me that thing. Later on, the same girl saw Peter. That man was with Jesus. And Peter said, no, 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 don't talk anything. That was Peter. Sometimes ago. That was not Peter today. You remember in Acts chapter 3 when Peter and John had healed this man in Jesus' name. They were arrested. The Sanhedrin told them. When you leave from here, never again call the name of Jesus. But the Peter said, We are witnesses to what Jesus did. We saw, we heard. We will never stop preaching in Jesus' name. That was Peter. So the believers at the church were not praying for Peter's boldness. They were praying for Peter's release. They were praying to the point. Nehemiah prayed to the point. When the news reached Nehemiah that Jerusalem, the walls had fallen down, Nehemiah prayed to the point, what did he pray for? God grant me favor as I approach the king and tell him my situation and the situation in Jerusalem. 
praying to the point. The church prayed for Peter. Then we find in verse 6, Peter was in prison. The church was praying. And the church was praying. The believers were praying. And then God heard their prayer. Now you may ask me this morning, I have been praying for several years and God had not heard my prayer. God heard your prayer. But it could be that God is saying, no, yes, or just wait a minute. Be patient. Hold your peace. I will come and answer your call. In this situation, God heard the prayer immediately. When the believers were praying from all their hearts, God heard the prayer of his people. And so God sent an angel. But in person, what was Peter doing? The guy was sleeping. Sleeping. No wonder why Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. Peter, in this situation, went to bed in those days when they put you in prison and they bound you with those soldiers, 16 soldiers, around Peter, 1 Peter, 16 soldiers. Some of them may have been special forces, we don't know. 16 men got in Peter. And Peter was bound with chains and he was attached to those soldiers on guard near Peter. Friend, it does not matter how we are bound with situations. God released it in the twinkling of an eye when the people of God prayed. As the church were praying, God sent an angel. The angel came and woke up Peter from his sleep and said, Look, get out of here, let's go. The church prayed and God answered. The cry of God's people reached the ears of the Almighty. He responds in the miraculous way. When God met Moses in Exodus chapter 3, God said a few things. He said, I have seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I am aware of their suffering. And I have come to deliver them. Now that was 400 years in captivity. But God heard the cry of his people. And for this situation, God answered immediately. So when God answered our prayer immediately, it does not mean other people whose prayer had not been answered are not praying an honest prayer. But sometimes God is saying to them, no, that is not what I want for your life. The church was praying for Peter. They were specific in their prayer. Now God answered their prayer and he delivered Peter. No one of what the theme we have in the booklet says, Second Corinthians, Chronicles 7, 14. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, there's a promise right there. Then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. If my people, we find the relationship in this verse, if my people... You and I are God's people because we have given our hearts to Jesus Christ. We have access to God. We are a body in Christ. We are God's people. It's my people that are called by my name. Will humble themselves. Will be submissive. That's what the church in Jerusalem did. 
They were submissive to God. They were dependent upon God. And they brought the problem to God. And so God heard their cry. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Not to humble ourselves and complain. But to humble ourselves and pray. And seek God in the situation. Then God said he will hear from heaven. And forgave us. And healed the land. The church prayed. That is a sad note in this passage, verse 12. The church that was praying fervently, that was praying with all their heart, God sent a result. When the angel had come into the building, brought out Peter, the angel walked with Peter to reach to the first gate, the pies, the rich to gate number two, the cows, and the rich to the iron gate. Now, I can talk from experience, but we don't have enough time. What we mean by iron gate? Because in the Civil War in Liberia in 1990, I know what we call the iron gate. There were three iron gates in Liberia. If you cross, you are blessed. The iron gate. We have one of the iron gates just very close to Monrovia, the city, controlled by Charles Tiller, the rebel leader. And you are screaming, and I mean you are screaming when you pass through that gate. I understand when you go to the airport this time, you have to go through certain machines. That was what they do there at the iron gate in Liberia. If you can cross the iron gate, then you are saved. Peter reached to this point, and the angel and Peter, the angel get opened by itself. That was divine intervention. The angel get opened, and Peter and the angel went. So when Peter had gone, the angel disappeared. Peter was left alone. Then he came to himself, and this is what he said: "Now I know that God has sent His angel to deliver me from Herod's hand." What was Peter do? Now, where would Peter go after the release? Where do you think he went? Peter knows where to go. He has always been here. This was their meeting point. This was where Peter and the others have been calling upon the name of God. So he knows where to go. He went to the church. And he knew the church would have been meeting there to pray. He was not thinking, I wonder where is Andrew, I wonder where is Bartholomew, I wonder where is the other guy, I wonder where they are. He knew where they were. The leaders, the members, the youth, everyone was in a place of prayer. Peter knows this. And so Peter walked to the house. And when Peter reached there, if I were Peter, I would knock with both hands. Peter began to knock on the door, waiting for the door to be open. So, in the prayer meeting was everyone. A little girl, you know, the younger people are strong enough to wake up quick and run. Then the older folks. So a little girl named Rhoda got up and went to answer the door. Maybe thinking a soldier was there. So she went, maybe look. In the, to see who was standing there. 
She opened the door and there stood Mr. Peter. Because she was so happy, she ran back without opening the door for him to come in. I don't know why she did that. But she ran back and said, I have seen Peter. He stands at the door. And what did the church say? Look at verse 15. You, Rhoda, you are crazy. You are out of your mind. You don't know what you are talking about. That is Herod's detention. When Herod puts you in that place, it is impossible to get out. So, brother, you are crazy. It can be Peter. In fact, in, our, in verse 15, they also say, they say it is Peter's angel, his guardian angel. Wow. A church that had just been praying fervently. When the answer came, they did not expect the answer that way. So Peter kept knocking. Peter kept knocking. And then when they opened the door, the scripture said in verse 16, when they saw Peter, what did they do? They were amazed. Amazed? Are you surprised that God answered your prayer? What is the problem here? Many times we pray and we don't have the result. So we feel that God is no longer in the process of answering prayer. Many times we pray and we don't have the answer. Or sometimes the answer comes, but not as we expect the answer to be. You want bread, and sometimes God says, no, don't eat white bread. You should eat wheat bread. But you ask for white bread, and God said, no, you should eat wheat bread. So when God gave you wheat bread instead of white bread, you say, my prayer had not been answered. And so the church was amazed that Peter was standing there. Friend, when we prayed, we should expect God to answer our prayer. It is a promise that God said when we ask according to his will, he will do it. And so the church was amazed of Peter. The Jerusalem church had a crisis. They took the matter to God. We, as a people, have several crises in life. We have national crises, and we have personal problems. For our national issue, security, is one in this nation. We also have another problem. God is no longer at the center stage in America. It is a problem the church needs to pray for. What do we do? God won these things in prayer. We had crimes and economic crisis. Those are national issues. Bring it to God. Then we have personal crisis, salvation of family members, physical health, family crisis, and so many things we have. Even in the church, we have problems. When the problems come, what do we do? We must take it to God in prayer. When the church is praying, it may not be for the deliverance of Peter from prison. It may be for the deliverance of an individual from hell. We must pray. When the church is shaking the gates of hell, the believers must expect more serious attacks from Satan. And the only way to combat the enemy 
is to go against him with the weapon of prayer. No matter how serious the situation at hand may be, the church must learn to turn the problem over to God and wait for his response. May I leave this verse with you. In Psalms 86 verse 1, the psalmist says, In my distress, I call to the Lord and cry to my God for help. From his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. There are a few things I want you to take home today. We must turn our problem to God. We must be fervent in our prayer. We should mean what we pray. We must be persistent in prayer. If God had not given us the answer, it does not mean God is not answering or God won't answer or God refused to answer. We should be persistent in prayer. When we pray, we must pray to the point, not go on the rabbit trail. Ask for bread, ask for butter, ask for cheese, ask for... We should be focused in our prayer. Pray to the point. And we must expect an answer and accept the answer that God gave. May the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob grant you grace, my beloved.